Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time now to talk about the other in-state game this week. Weber State and Dixie State playing Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Paul Peterson, Dixie State coach, joins us in a moment. But right now, it's Weber State coach Jay Hill, and he is on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Jay, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're doing well. So you open up with the Utes, and I'm curious, playing a Pac-12 school, how much you learn about your team and how much you have questions because their talent level is so unlike a lot of the other schools you're going to play, and how much this makes the second game easier for your guys. You face the biggest, strongest guys you're going to face, and does it all seem easier now against the next team? Well, I mean, it, it did give us a gauge on what we're all about, our toughness and physicality. I thought we hung in there for the most 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 of the game. Um, we know that we're not going to face anybody bigger and stronger than those guys. Um, so, you know, that it, it gives us a gauge. I don't know if we know exactly who we are just yet. This, this game and the next one, I think we'll be, we'll know here in the next two weeks exactly what we're all about. Well, I think, Jay, you know, without that rain delay, I think that took away all your momentum. And if the weather had stayed good, I think you'd win that game. I appreciate it. I love that. <laughs> now, there was so much to overcome that game, right? I mean, they're very physical on the offensive defensive line. The rain delay was a pain in the butt. And just, I, I was happy with a lot of the things that we did that game. And we missed a lot of opportunities that were disappointing to me. Um, you know, getting stuffed on the goal line where we could have had an opportunity to get back within five right at the end of the first half. Just, there were some things that we didn't do what we needed to do to have even a little bit better showing in that game. Do you like to irritate Morgan Scally whenever possible? I know I do. Absolutely. He's my, fav- he's my favorite guy to do that to. Well, you did because uh, at the media availability, he was asked about the game. He says, well, there were several things. And when he got to 17-play drive, he spit the words out. He was not. He was not pleased with the seventeen play drive. So, you got. He said it ended. It was a good response, but it should have never gotten to that point. Yeah, he was irritated. Well, that that's why he's so good. He's so competitive, and he's an elite coordinator. And you give him seventeen plays, and usually he's found a way out of the drive before then. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me that he got irritated over that. Speaking of not being surprised, Shahid, man, that was so electric that kickoff return. But this kid's a big talent. Oh, he's a big-time guy. He's an NFL guy. He's the all-time leader in kick returns for touchdowns in college football, and so it's not like he hasn't done this before. Yes, but the reaction shot from you on the sideline, jumping and pumping your fist, it got replayed all night. It was on SportsCenter. It was on college football shows the next day. Did you hear from people? Uh, you hear from friends around the conference or around the country? Because you were going nuts. Well, I mean, in that particular game, you guys know my ties to Utah and uh, having played there and coached there for so long. That was an important. That's an important game to us, our players, myself, and to go in there and play well was important. And so to jump out seven three early in the game and to do it on that play was a big deal. And you know, we we coach this game because we're passionate guys and we love what we do. 
And so when something good happens, it's easy to <laughs> get caught on film, you know, going, getting excited and being like that. How about uh, good news, bad news thing for the big sky going up to Washington and getting a win, but it also makes your job tougher? That's <laughs> because in Montana, man, they looked really good, obviously, beating a ranked Pac-12 team on the road. Well, we, you know, Montana's a great program, and the reality is the big sky plays great football. We had three wins last week against FBS opponents, and so for them to go in there and, you know, pull off an upset, does that surprise me? Absolutely not. Um, does it happen every day? No, but that doesn't surprise me. And They're well coached, they're tough, and um, they're going to continue to win a lot of games this year. So who else uh, do you view as the top of the league after seeing one week? Obviously, Eastern Washington got one of those wins you speak of. They went to UNLV and won 35-33. Well, Montana's going to be good. We know that, Mm -hmm. beating Washington. Montana State's going to be good. They had a lead, I think, with two minutes left in the game against Wyoming. And then uh, Eastern Washington goes down to UNLV and wins. And... uh, UC Davis went out to Tulsa and won, and Tulsa was supposed to be good this year. So, I mean, all those ga- all those teams that I just mentioned and us will be right there, and then there's going to be one more team up there, whether it's NAU or somebody else. Somebody else will make a run at this thing besides the five that we've mentioned. All right, it's time to bring in the head coach at Dixie State, Paul Peterson. And, uh, Jay, how much have you been able to hang out with Paul? How well do you know him? Um, so we've known each other for a long time, just through the coaching scene and all that stuff. I would not say we've hung out a lot, but I got a ton of respect for Paul and what he's done both at Snow College and Dixie State. He's a good coach. Well, Paul, welcome to the show. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for the kind words, Jay. I've uh, yep. I've asked Jay to hang out a bunch of times. He just turned me down, so it's still waiting. <laughs> <for anybody. laughs> oh, is Jay Hill's big time in you? Is that what it is, Coach? <laughs> exactly. He knows if we go... I just know if I go fishing with him, I'm going to catch all the fish, and then he's going to be mad at me. And I just, I just <laughs> turn cool, it man. down before that happens. Yeah, right. Let's go. Paul, all day. Love Paul yep. same question to you. We just asked Jay, what do you learn from that first, uh, that first game? You had Sacramento State in, and, uh, and it ended up being a pretty low-scoring game. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good to get, uh, you know, you're sick of banging on each other. And, and that first game is always important to see where you're at, see the progression that, that you've made as a team. And and um, really, if, when you play a good team like Sac State, it kind of exposes some of the things that you need to work on and fix. And so um, I think it was good for our guys. We, we uh, you know, we competed, I thought, uh, pretty well. We, we missed, missed some opportunities. And with a good team like that, you can't, you can't miss. But, um, you know, proud of our team for the effort that they had and, they're they're willing to work hard and, and and you know we know that it doesn't guarantee results but uh, um, we're trying to build this thing the right way and the guys are putting in great effort. Well, the uh, St. George uh, community's got to be excited about Weber State coming in, right? Yeah, yeah. We we uh, we hate Weber State. We hate the color purple. Um, <laughs> so we're just looking we're looking forward to this uh, in-state rivalry. You know, I, it's fun. It, it really is. I think um, us making this jump. Um, and, and and with what Weaver's done, uh, with their history, what Jay's done with with multiple conference championships, like we're we're trying to get to that spot, right? So to be able to play uh, teams like 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 Weaver State in state and have that rivalry, I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. I'm sure they'll travel down here. Everybody likes coming to St. George, and so um, it'd just be a great atmosphere 
uh, here in St. George in a great game. When you go from Division Two to the championship subdivision, how many of your players have the talent, the size, the athletic ability to make that jump? And how much, what percentage of the roster has to be upgraded? Because it's a different level and you need a different level player. You know, I, I wish I had some of my players to answer that question for you because they'd be pissed off, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good question. I, our, our guys, um, you know, once we made that jump, they're not, they weren't D2 anymore. And that was kind of our mindset, right? So they have this little chip on their shoulder to prove that they belong at this level. And um, I, think we've, I think we've done a really good job of uh, getting some recruits, some, some developmental guys that we, that we feel like um, have, have a great opportunity to be successful at this level. And, you know, we got, we got some work to do in the weight room and, and um, got some work to do uh, this season playing some really good teams. And so, uh, you know, I like where we're at. And I like, I like the attitude of our, of our players. And we're going to continue to have that chip on our shoulder for sure. I guess, Jay, since you've been coaching in this state and been recruiting for a long time now at two different schools, um, how difficult is going to be now? Because we've got two schools down south that are playing football, and when we've got the three up here. I, I don't know that there's enough bodies to stock rosters for everybody from the state, so is it going to increase the level of difficulty in recruiting? Well, what's made recruiting in the state of Utah so hard is not necessarily just the schools in the state, but we are getting such heavy pressures from the school out of state. You know, uh, all the Pac-12 schools are in here recruiting now, and pretty much the majority of the Mountain West schools are in here recruiting. So it's it's not like you're just recruiting against each other. You're recruiting against all the top dogs that are coming in here. And some of the guys that used to slide up under the radar and we could get easily – or more easily, it's getting harder and harder because of the recruiting pressure. Paul, how much can you hit Arizona? PK makes that drive because he's got family, and you know St. George is four hours closer, and Arizona doesn't have nearly as many teams and has a lot more people. Can you hit on that uh, over the next yeah. few years? Yeah, and uh, you know I want to piggyback with Jay. I think you know with with Utah, I think there's so many. The word is out, right? All these teams coming in. It just goes to, to show how good these high school coaches are in preparing these kids to come play. But yeah, I know Arizona's a quick, quick flight for our, for us. It's one of the hubs right here out of our airport. I think it's a quick 45, 50 minute flight and pretty cheap. And so it makes sense for us to be able to get down there. And um, you know, one of the other things playing in the WAC um, with these Texas schools, we're going to have you know the ability to go down and and um, have have kids see us uh, from Texas too. So that's that's something that. Uh, um, we'll, we'll plan on to get, get in Texas and, and both Arizona. Until fairly recently, if guys wanted to transfer and be eligible from the uh, the high level, the, the what are they called? The F uh, Bulls subdivision, right. uh, they could drop down and be eligible. I'm wondering how the transfer portal and the basically the the free transfer is going to affect both of your programs at your levels. Yeah, well, well, for us here. here, here at Dixie State, you know, we 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 um, we grabbed a couple guys here in the offseason. You know, we got a, we got uh, um, a couple grad transfers and, and and a couple younger kids um, uh, off the tram- transfer portal. And I think it's kind of a little uh, for me. It was just similar to JC guys. You know, we we got wanted to add some depth and we wanted some guys to come in here and, and compete too. So um, I think you got to kind of kind of play that game. Transfer portal kind of scary a little bit for me. You want to you want to be able to have maybe a relationship with the kid before. Um, um, you know, if, if he's a good player and he's the right player, uh, program guy, then, then those coaches and coaching staffs going to try and hang on to him. 
um, with you, there's there's always um, certain situations you got to you got to do a little digging on each one of these kids that are on that portal for sure. Address that, Jay. Uh, well, and I think you make a good point, PK, is that where these players used to be able to come to us and be immediately eligible, but not go to another four-year program, an FBS program, and be eligible. We used to get a lot of those transfers, and now we're not going to get as many because they're going to transfer what they say laterally, right? They'll go from a Mountain West school to another Mountain West school. And so some of the guys that we were getting, so they could be immediately eligible, uh, we don't have that advantage anymore. So I think that that will cut down a little bit on maybe some of the four-year transfers that we get. Uh, But we were never at Weber State a big transfer team anyway. We want to recruit high school athletes and develop them for four years. So one thing I heard, and it was actually, I think, Kyle Whittingham who brought it up at one of his media availabilities uh, during spring football, was that guys had to be careful about going into the portal because the numbers game, he says there's there's more guys going into the portal than there are landing spots. So I wondered if that gave either one of you a chance to get some guys you wouldn't normally get. Well, like I say, usually, and this is not always, but usually guys are going in the portal for a reason. Either they can't play where they're at, which is a big red flag, or they had issues mm-hmm. there, which is a big red, big red flag. And so you just got to be careful in the transfer portal. And a lot of a lot of these kids want to be recruited and be re-recruited, and so they're going in the portal and they're finding, just like Kyle said, that there's really not that many spots and there's not that many schools out there looking like these kids originally thought there would be. Yeah. Well, Jay, what's going to be your game plan against uh, Dixie? Why don't you just tell us right now? Uh, yeah. Score more, yeah, points, details, score more points than they score. Yeah, go into detail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, they've got, they are very aggressive on both sides of the ball, and so we're going to have to do something to match, obviously, their aggressiveness. Uh, I like what both their coordinators do. Uh, Justin Anna and Kelly Bills do a great job. Coach Peterson's done a great job. So we're going to have to go in there and play clean. We can't go there, slop around, and turn the ball all over like like everybody knows to win a football game. And we'll go in there and try to instill our physicality and toughness and the things that have won us four straight conference championships. We got to go in there and continue to be us. Paul, halfback option pass. What are you thinking? Fumble Ruski? Nope, that was outlawed. Can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got five or six trick plays we're going to open up with. Uh, no, we we. Um, Really, really the same thing, man. We got we got to take care of the ball. You know, this last game we got some stuff we got to clean up and stay in front of the chains. Give ourselves some uh, good down distances where we can stay on the field a little bit longer. That was definitely a, an issue with the last game and not scoring enough points. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of taking care of us um, and making sure we're getting better at those details and our executions. Got to be at a higher level. Um, you know, as far as far as Weber State again, they, they've they've earned the right to to be a ranked team and 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 win those conference championships. And so. You know, we we've got to we got to play mistake free and and uh, match their physicality up front. They do a really good job on both sides of the ball up front with their guys in the trenches, and so it's a big challenge for us for sure. You said with Willstead at quarterback. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there was a pause there, 
PK. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> there was a pause. I've heard quarterback controversy. <laughs> All right. It's, uh, it's Weber State and Dixie State. It's Saturday night, 8 o'clock in St. George. Uh, I, I'm curious, Paul, did you guys ever think about uh, moving this game so it didn't conflict with the Utah-BYU game? PK was down there for a BYU practice a few years ago, and it, he could not believe how many people turned out. There's a lot of Cougars down there. They might love some Dixie but State football. you got to have it at night, though. Because it's too hot. Yeah. It's just too hot. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I just that, that that's always a fun, fun, uh, fun rivalry game for for the state and that red and blue and um, I, you know, I I, I have a good feeling it's going to be a pretty packed crowd. We had uh, our biggest crowd last week and and um, we had a ton of ticket sales already before this 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 matchup. So I anticipate our stadium having having a fun atmosphere and we got a little flyover and you know uh, uh, we want to we want to. Um, Show our support for our troops and and what they've done to help keep us safe on, the, on this 9/11 and and so it'll just be a fun fun football game and like I said it's rivalry for us I know we were probably doesn't think it's rivalry yet but for us it's, it's trying to get to that level and, and playing a really fun in-state game. He's got the gutty underdog card going. See, so you hear that right there, Jay? They, they probably don't think it's a rivalry. They don't respect us. So. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us, and uh, we'll be looking forward to the game Saturday night. Thank you. Awesome. Great being with you guys. Jay Hill, Weber State State football coach, Paul Peterson, Dixie State football coach, Saturday night, 8 o'clock in St. George. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, coming up next, we'll get you up to speed. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Former Ute receiver and a rivalry week staple. He is Kenneth Scott with us. Why do you think sometimes these games don't go according to maybe how you'd predict? That's a great question. I really don't know because dating back to my last year there as the Vegas folks, I thought we had that game in the bag 35 to 7. I'm like, oh yeah, there's no way they're coming back from this. I even put my helmet to the side knowing I wasn't going to get back in. <laughs> but I guess it's the football gods that, you know, wanted us to have that memorable type game per usual so that families can talk about it on years on end. So I think it's just the football gods wanting us to have a good case. Magic happens. It's something to talk about. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The John Watson Chevrolet High School Player of the Week Award is presented weekly to the top prep football players in northern Utah. This week's winner is Fremont quarterback Cannon Cofort. Cofort completed 20 of 28 passes for 328 yards and two touchdowns as the Silver Wolves routed Clearfield 41-7. Stop by John Watson Chevrolet at 3535 Wall Avenue in Ogden or check them out online at johnwatsonchevrolet.com. Time to get you up to speed on everything you've missed over the course of today's show. And the new national rankings are out, and PK, you just don't care. I wouldn't go that far. It's too early. Well, it's a combination. It's definitely too early. And that also the playoff thing is the big thing. And when's that? The end of next month, beginning of November? I think they did they shorten it by one week? They did last year, but this year it's yeah. going back to their normal. It'll be yeah, the first week in November. I think it's like November second or some such this year. But that yeah. means fun. It's all for fun. I'm, I'm glad they do it. It's for fun. Five, five Pac-12 teams are ranked, which well, is uh, saying it best. It's but good news, bad news. Nobody's in the top ten. That's bad news. That's the bad news. That's bad. Now there's five Real between 11 news. and 25, so assuming somebody beats everybody else, they'll shoot right up. 
But if they all beat each other up, then they'll well, just Well, Washington out, UC Los Angeles in. Yep. The other ones, they didn't play anybody, so they should be able to maintain and move up a couple of spots. And that's how it happened. Yeah. The Utes climbed a little bit. Rose in both national polls are now 21 in the AP poll and 18 in the coaches poll. I can see a time where the Utes are in the top 10 this year. Eight ranked teams lost, so that gave, gave teams a chance to move up. All they got to do is not lose and beat SC in their top 10. Golden. They're favored this week. They'll be favored next week. They'll be favored against Washington State. So they'll be favored in every Kyle's game. Kyle's 57 and 0 if you give them more than a week to prepare. You're just making stuff up. <laughs> and they have a bye the week before. That that doesn't work anymore though cuz the bowl games were part of that. It was a season opener. No, no, the bowl, bowl games don't count. The bowl games bowl and games. the bye week. I think that if the the loser of the Pac-12 title game should just say we're done. Because they're going to lose the bowl game. <laughs> Every team has done it. Every single team. It's such a letdown to be this close. You wouldn't know what it's like, DJ, to be this close to the granddaddy. I really wouldn't. I do. Good for you. <laughs> I'm happy for you and your little team. No, you can't be happy because if you this close, that means you lost. I am happy because I don't know. Because my team's never no, you been said that you've close. Been, you, no, you said you're happy for me. I am I'm, happy for you. But you can't, you know, I wasn't happy that the Devils got this close to the granddaddy and lost. You see what I'm saying? That's not oh, a happy I was, moment. I was, I was happy for you. Well, it works both ways because I was happy for you the two times you went. <laughs> That's happy. And I was also happy to see you suffer. So, I'm just happy. I know. You root for, I got it. You root for the Devils to lose. You hide it, but it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear. At least I can respect Jake Scott. He'll come out and tell you. Yeah. He's a bit, what he won't do is he won't tell you he's a big Ute fan, and you are, Jake, so quit hiding it. And But then he'll tell you that he roots against your team. You do, but you act like you don't. In that moment, I was trying to decide whether to make that goose honking noise or not, and how how good would it be? I don't know what a goose honking honk. noise is. Honk! Yeah, you did too now. <laughs> You've heard. You've been out playing golf and the which, geese have flown overhead making noise. You've heard it. Which for you, it's really futile to root against the Devils. They'll take care of it for themselves. Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee will be the starter this week for the Cardinal. Then they take on 14th ranked USC, Pac-12 opener for both both uh, squads. I get confused when guys go on missions and come back. He You're did. much better at the recruiting game. What about him? He was the one who was, was he the one? Who uh, you heard was told, hey, we're here, you know, if you change your mind. Because the Stanford quarterback, once upon a time, changed his mind and came back. And that worked out well with Taysom Hill. He never enrolled. Right. Uh, but McGee was, uh, he, McGee, was t- McGee was told, we got a spot for you. Right. If they, but see, they had changed coaches. It was so a different situation. It, it, it reminds right. me of when Ben Olsen was getting off his mission. They had uh, Croton was gone, and Mendenhall was a defensive guy, and they had no track record on offense. So Ben took off and, mm-hmm. and went to went to UC Los Angeles. Obviously, I think he would have been good, but he got injured. He, he never really. I think he lives here locally. Uh, he had some injury issues. I think he would have been very good, but he had injury issues. Never got him uh, to get consistent playing time. And so here is the same thing. Uh, they were. And not in a good state when he was coming out, and he chose Stanford. And but they BYU let him know, 
they appreciated it. I think the family. But now he's going to start, and let's see what he can do. He was another one of these. Uh, I don't know if he was literally the number one guy, but certainly he was all that. I mean, I had heard of him. He was Elite 11. Even well, the it, whole thought of him bouncing back, which is what I was leading up to, doesn't look like it's going to happen because now he's got the starting job. I don't think so. I hope for his sake not. I don't root against anybody, I would, unlike you. I would, <laughs> like to, I would like to see him do well. I told David Shaw this summer, I said what I was really hoping for is Fajoko stayed so we could have the first... Uh, outside of Utah, return missionary throwing a touchdown to a return missionary. Has that happened outside the state of Utah? I would think not. I don't know. But I would think not. Uh, McKee was 15 of 18 for 118 yards, a touchdown and no picks versus uh, K-State. He was splitting time with Jack West. But one of them was clearly more productive than the other. West threw two picks. So... It's Tanner McKee's job. Well, man, gosh, uh, the Stanford Cardinal, you know, they 4-8 and eight two years ago. Last year, I think they won their last four, but nobody knows what to think of last year uh, when you're not playing 9, 10, 11 games, and obviously the Pac-12 didn't do that. And so they got the Trojans this week, an 0-2 start, and David Shaw is Mr. Stanford. But, you know, I, was talk, I heard Neuheisel, he does a show on the satellite radio that I listen to a lot on the way home, or you can get it on demand anyway. But anyway, he was talking about Shaw being under the gun. 4-8, 4-2, 0-1. That's where it sits right And you now. got the Trojans this week. Right. So this is the coach's hot seat bowl because anytime SC loses Clay Helton's automatically it's automatically in the hot seat. He went 17 in a row and then they're 17 and 1. Boom, you're on a hot seat. But to your point, if they <laughs> if if they lose this game and and they're the underdogs and if they lose this game, then Stanford is 8 and 12 in their last 20 and you can be Mr. whatever school, but that's going to raise eyebrows. No question. Yeah, if you're if you're eight and twenty, you better have come in and taken over a team that had gone you know two and twenty. If you're if you're at Kansas, maybe it feels like you're rebuilding. But if you're not at a program that's struggling like that, then eyebrows are going to be raised. So I don't think New Heisel's that far out on the limb. I mean, saying that the the it's the hot seat isn't the same as saying you know he's going to be gone by Monday. But SC's no, a I don't seven, see that. SC's a seventeen point favorite. So. Expected that to game? roll. That game's in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. Okay. Well, what time's it on? Sadly, it's at 8.30 Mountain Time is how it's Oh, it is? Yep. Yep, it's a, it's a night game. What? what uh, Same time as UNLV, Arizona State, the, Utah, FS1? BYU, what and channel? Weber State, Dick State. It says Big Fox at 8.30, which... Oh, it's Big Fox. Well, prime time, prime time on the West Coast. You've got the uh, L.A. and San Francisco markets, so maybe they figure, let's do it. Yeah, I'm certainly interested in that game for on many levels. Yes. Oh, there he is, my guy. God, he, <laughs> he looks good, doesn't he? Look hey, at him. good news for you. Look at him, man. So what happened is we got a TV here in the studio, and currently oh, it's, on, it's on ESPN2, and they've got some NFL show on. Look at that. And they're just... <laughs> Boom, touchdown. Zach Get used Wilson. to it. Zach Wilson preseason highlights are, uh, are on the air. Hey, good news for you. I have seen the uh, I've seen the list for games for the first two weeks. The Jets season opener will be on Channel Two at eleven a.m. It's not good. I got the NFL ticket. Oh, good. You'll need it week two because it doesn't look like that game's going to be on. Oh, pff. 
Yeah. Oh, he starts four and zero. They can they can swap out. So swap this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that game two is etched in stone, but game one is. They're running promos for that on the air. So. I'm gonna watch him every snap. All right. He's my favorite NFL player. <laughs> Look at you. I love the kid. He's like a, he's the central casting. True story. They show him on the big screen in, in Vegas, and they got nine big screens there. They got a huge one, and they got two pretty big ones. And the they, crowd roars. They put your family room to shame with the big screens that they have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, big TV. Yeah, well, yeah. Well. Small phone, Get big out TV. the ruler, man. <laughs> oh, wow. I bet you do. Yeah, that's misleading right there. <laughs> that is not. It was too. It's right out of your own mouth. Small phone, big TV. That was the comparison. <laughs> well, who has a big phone? My gosh, no crap. You, that was you the have a point small, of discussion. Every TV is, every phone is smaller than a television. And you were trying to get me to watch stuff on my phone. I watch stuff on my phone all the time. I don't. I like to watch it on the TV. All right, right. Should, we, careful. should we go back to the longer? No, it's just, we got we got but, eight minutes. We got a break. Let's see. No. See, there you go. Right. That's good enough. Fine. I'm talking over it. I don't care. <laughs> blah 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 blah. All right. Oh jeez, you're trying to on the big TV. There you go. Okay, fine. <laughs> You That's still didn't need to tell us did. that you have a big I TV. Don't you don't even have a big TV. A big TV. I, you were so TV. freaking presumptuous there. Yeah, Braggadocio. I've got a big TV. Look Presumpt at me. This. That's all you didn't add. Yeah, right, I bet fine. you do, big fella. I know the kind of dough you're bringing down on both of these gigs. Holy freak. <laughs> Former USC and New England Patriots fullback Sam Bam Cunningham died Tuesday at his home in Inglewood, according to USC. He was 71 years old. He's inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1992, widely recognized for helping speed up the process of integration and football programs across the South. Cunningham ran for 135 yards and two touchdowns as USC beat an all-white Alabama team to open the 1970 season. That performance... Coupled with those of his black teammates was pivotal in Alabama coach Bear Bryant's decision to recruit black players. Older brother of Randall, right? That is a true story. There are four Cunninghams that are all from Santa Barbara. Legend, legend, nope. Legendary Santa Barbara family. Uh, Sam was the oldest and Randall was the youngest and there were two in between. And Randall is, uh, Randall's in Vegas now living, so where he went to, he went to UNLV. He right did. There. He's, a, he's a pastor. He's got his own church down there. Oh, it does? So, yeah. Yeah. Read a profile on him in a Santa Barbara paper a couple of years ago. He was a really good quarterback. Yeah, he was. I enjoyed watching him play. Uh, very smooth in, in his, uh, this, his quarterback. This took me down the Santa Barbara rabbit hole yesterday, the way you go down Jersey and uh, Arizona rabbit holes. And I, and I clicked on a story because they obviously wrote a big piece in uh, Santa Barbara about it. And uh, referenced a couple other people and everything's tied together. And then you can click on that. And yeah, so... Good stuff. And the Ryder Cup captain Steve Stricker filled out his 12-man Ryder Cup team. He added Tony Finau, Shoffley, Spieth, Harris English, Daniel Berger, and Scotty Scheffler. So Tony Finau is going to be playing in the Ryder Cup, which is over there at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. And that begins on the 24th of this month. 
All right, so we got that coming up. Then uh, what are we like? That's uh, two weeks from Friday, and that's a big deal in the golf world. Absolutely. Six captains' picks now, huh? Nice. So, who was the best player left out? Oh, Patrick Reed gets left out. He's sick, though. Okay, he's had some uh, uh, illness going on. He's a double lung pneumonia. Yeah. He's Oof. yeah. Shoffley Spieth, that's some pretty big names right there. Sure. Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and Patrick Cantley were already on board. Yeah, you qualify and then they have the captain's picks. Right. Six automatic and six picks. And I don't know that they will f- uh, pair Kepka and DeChambeau. That would be kind of fun. <clears throat> they should totally do that. <laughs> See if those guys... Have some weird, some weird chemistry going. I'm better. Watch this shot. I'm better. Watch this shot. Yeah. That. Or, or they just go out there and stare at each other, hate each other, and just both be missing five foot putts all day long and losing. Yeah, I think, I think they, pl- I think Kepka played it up, but I also think there's a lot of truth to it. Is it just Kepka, or is he the only one who will say it out loud? Does DeChambeau great on well saying Brooks 20, 40, or 60 course now? I know, that's pretty weak. Can't say Brooksy. Yeah. You can yell, get in the hole. Yeah. Although at the same time, if I'm I'm at a sporting event, why am I yelling Brooksy anyway? If I'm at golf, what am, what am I doing that for? But they sell liquor at a lot of these tournaments, believe you me. So? Have a couple cups of liquid courage and then try to impress somebody you're with or think you're going to crack up a thousand people around you and get a big laugh. And, and everybody went to that golf tournament to hear you try to be funny. No. I know. <laughs> Not really. Have you ever tried to do stand-up, stand-up yeah. comedy? It's hard. Have you tried it? No. Well, how do you know it's hard? Because I know people who've tried it, and I'm not trying it. I'd be bad at it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. It's hard to just get up there. Everyone's looking at you like, okay, make me laugh. Give me a stage and a mic anytime. Yeah, I've seen you do it. I can throw a couple of knock knock jokes. There was down a your uh, way. Christmas party. I'll never forget. Hey, uh, PK, you uh, you want to go up there and do your thing? <laughs> you didn't even have a chance. I mean, Leno goes out and you know works on the routine at the small clubs before he went and did the Tonight Show back in the day, right? The Hermosa Beach Comedy Club. See, yeah. you didn't even have a chance. You had like you had a five minute call. I heard it. Ah, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Low expectations, and I delivered. I wish I wish I would have had more time. I would have thought of the the story that I love to tell involving golf. One time we were going down to St. George, my wife and I, and uh, somebody set us up to play at the Bloomington Country Club. And we got down there. It was after the show. We got down there at about 2, so we were a little hungry. But we wanted to go out to eat later, so we didn't want to spoil the appetite. And so we were going to split a sandwich. And if you've ever been at uh, Bloomington, it's an older clientele. If you go at 8 o'clock in the morning, the place is packed. Hmm. You go around 1 o'clock, there's nobody there because they're home taking naps. And uh, so we were going to tee off at 2. And they have a little, uh, like a snack shack type of thing. And I said, go order a sandwich, right? So she went there and there was nobody. Literally no one's there. And there's one lady in there. And uh, she told the lady, hey, could you cut this because we're going to share it. And uh, so the lady says, oh, why, are you Sharon? She says, no, I'm Jackie. <laughs> hey <laughs> she, <laughs> she said, are you Sharon? 
<laughs> well, there's no one there. Nobody. There's no one around. <laughs> and the lady has just been sitting there waiting for someone to come to the booth. <laughs> Are you sharing? No, I'm Jackie. <laughs> Way to go, Mrs. K. She's not going to need a name to call you because there's nobody around. Yeah, it's, now there's 40 people there. You need a right, name. Exactly. Then you need a name. Yes. But when it's hello, 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 because it's nap time. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, the biggest name left off the Ryder Cup, Phil Lefty. Phil Mickelson will not be on the Ryder Cup for the first time since 1995. But he's an assistant captain. All right. So he still gets to go. He gets to go, but, I mean, his days are over. Yeah. I don't know how he won. What, he won the PGA this year? That was that was a that, – that, that's a That's the right exclamation there. point on the career, you would think. Right. You wouldn't think there's another act after that. That's the curtain call. I wouldn't think so. I think it's the time encore. for him to be an ambassador of the game in which he can do really, really well. So he made his debut in 95 – and let's see, it was supposed to be last year, right? What was supposed the to be? The Ryder year? Cup? Oh, I got you. You took me Ryder Cup 20. Debut. So then he played in 18. So. Legendary career. Uh, you got to be extremely happy. I mean, I know he blew the U.S. that time, but that makes the other wins even sweeter. All right, DJ and PK, there you go. That's a lot of the stuff we have been talking about. Um, the Padres. Had a perfect game going in the seventh inning, and then lost the game four to nothing. And the Reds tied him for the wild card. And you think uh, the Padres aren't getting it done? Tough schedule down the stretch. They're flailing. That's not happening. Well, they have the toughest schedule. I've seen they that do. on multiple uh, occasions. And I think their pitching has—they've been battered with injuries. And the two teams chasing them are 29th and 30th in strength of schedule. They actually have that the two is, easiest. Uh, that is a fact. But, you know, we've got uh, next year they'll get back the Clevenger guy that they picked up from Cleveland, right? He that would be the, good. T- the Tom solid John starter. surgery. And Maybe someone can figure out what's going on with you, Darvish. I want to blame it on an injury they're not talking about because his ERA is over seven over the last two months. He is well, getting plus he can't speak battered. English, so you don't really know. He's getting battered. Battered? Battered. An ERA over Ooh. seven for two months? Yeah, but if you're scoring eight runs a game... Well, they're not. They got shut out. They couldn't even take advantage of a guy who's pitching a perfect game for six and two-thirds innings. So, Well, they didn't take disadvantage of it. Dodgers and Giants both win. They're just going to sprint right they're to jokes. the finish, aren't they? They are sprinting to the finish. I know. Wow. Max Scherzer's looking like Bob Gibson. Oh, man. He is just... Jeez. There's actually a stat out there. I'd have to look it up, but uh, I saw it on a on a string of Padre tweets, the Padres record since they didn't get Scherzer, it's like the clubhouse fell apart. When they didn't get him, they're like, "Uh uh-oh. He went there and not here, we're screwed. And they started playing like it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. We got a bowl game being canceled. What? Yeah, the Red Box Bowl. Not happening, huh? That's San Francisco? Yep. One in San Francisco. Uh, for good or just this, this year? This year, what? Brett McMurphy saying it's been canceled for this year. So it believes only 41 bowl games this year. Well, uh-huh. That's a blow, but at least 83 teams get to play in bowl games. Nice math. All right, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback, everything you think about this show. Question of the day, if BYU doesn't beat Utah now, when will it happen? And Jed Beck tweets at us during the millennium. 
When's so that? Sometime over the next thousand years. What do you guys believe in it? <laughs> uh, we believe that a millennium is a thousand years, and that in the next thousand years, what? BYU will beat Utah once. That's Jed's point. Okay, what about Jesus? <laughs> he wasn't really referencing that. I know, but I was. <laughs> really bored with the show right now. <laughs> no man knows the time nor the place, PK. But many men have predicted falsely. Yes. Good point. <laughs> Which ought to be a little hint. Knock that off. RSL man says, never. BYU is less than 10 years away from losing its football t- team entirely, oh, a la Ricks in BYU Hawaii. First off, Hawaii never had a football team. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> LDS uh, LDS Business College, man, when they dropped their team, (laughs) (laughs) that was a sign. I don't see it. Seems to be going the other way, doesn't it? Elevating it, making it a bigger deal, joining the Big 12, assuming that happens. Yeah, that was awesome to hear the Pac-12 commissioner dance around that. About what? About, he got asked about the Big 12. So, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I read the same things you do. <laughs> I know, but you literally sat in a room and talked with the guy. I think I'm he sure does, you got, Oh, I think he does, too. He's just being... I don't think he cares. I think he was just, you know, it's their league. We'll let them make the announcement. I'm not here to talk about what they're doing. You know, that's their thing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they made the decision correctly, I believe, not to ask any of those teams to join. Totally agree. Totally agree. I don't think there were any teams. Once they couldn't get Oklahoma and Texas, there were no teams they were going to add the kind of value they need. They need to take a shot at the alliance. It may not add the value they need either, but it's their best bet. And set up some some big-time games on a regular basis with Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin. Yeah, we're already doing it this week. You got Washington and Michigan and Oregon and Ohio yep. State. You got two of them so right there. that's the thing about it is they're already doing it to an extent. To an extent. Now do more of it. Devils played Michigan State. I know, but you didn't get what you were looking for out of doing it. So yeah, you're going to do more them. of it? Yes. And somehow you're going to get something out of it? You better win. You got to win. He did get asked about that. What did you think of the performance the first <laughs> He tapped yes. He said, he goes, well, I went to the LSU-UCLA game, so I guess I chose wisely there. I got a small giggle. <laughs> he's got a big-time sense of humor. He does. Having interviewed he does. He's got him, a laugh at that. Yeah. He, he's quick that way, which I think is great because Larry Scott came off as a little, not yeah. standoffish, but a little high and mighty-ish. Uh-huh. And he just sat there and got asked a question and gave an answer. And a few times he even volunteered stuff. So it's not like, hey, I'm just putting up with you people until the bell rings Correct. and I can get the heck I, I, out of I here. I agree with that 100%. Which that just irritates people and makes cranky people write and crankier stuff. Larry Scott never went on Radio Row at Pac-12 Media Day. Klyovkov mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had my head down and I look up and he was sitting right there. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was coming but At some it, point, but you didn't know he's coming then. Well, we had the schedule, but everything just blows by so fast that they're just, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, as you know, you've listened to it. All of a it. sudden, it's there. Yeah, right. and I didn't realize, oh, it's already 2 o'clock, and he's sitting right there, and he is a very personable dude. I have to give him that. Yeah. But I think he knows he needs to be because he the does. other guy wasn't. But he's pretty smooth. Very much so. I would agree he, with that 100%. He 
when you didn't surprise him with any questions. He'd had the answer. He formulated it. He knew where he wanted to go. The answers were detailed, so you never felt like you're getting blown off. You know, he he was he was correct tell- too. The, the thing he no said was down. Right. Remember Mark Harlan kind of hinted, well, you know, just the natural course of events, sometimes games go away, so with the Alliance, that might help. And we're like, well, what is he talking about? What games will go away? And Harlan finished an answer, and Klyavkov brought up, he says, well, with the SEC, presuming they go ahead and everything happens with Oklahoma and Texas here, they may look, they may end up looking to play more conference games. Correct. We've heard that. Yes. And that means that... Some of these games that are scheduled with Pac-12 schools, there are multiple schools that have SEC games, and the Utes are one of them. They have uh, LSU. LSU and Arkansas way out. I think Florida the next two years probably wouldn't be impacted, but LSU and Arkansas are no. way out there. Correct. They could be impacted. Your, your Devils have yes. like five SEC series on the books over the course of the next 10 to 12 yeah. years. So some of those could be impacted. And he says that might open up spots for us to move it. But he says we won't unilaterally break contracts. They're not going to do that. Well, he said it's up to BYU and Utah to decide what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And Matt, uh, Matt, Mark has said that they're on the books through 2030. Yes. That's as far as they need to go. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, that's like twice the average career span of an AD. Not, not only should those games um, fill out the rest of Tom and Mark's times, but if they're on that average, which obviously uh, Tom is way past... Yeah, the five-year average. Tom will be done by twenty thirty, right? I don't, I don't, right, but I don't know that Mark will. And I, I don't Who's know that know? either. I'm just saying, that on the average, that's almost two ads worth of games. Mm-hmm. So they've scheduled out a long way. They have, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and Mark said, you know, based on whatever they do or don't do here and how things shake out, they'll have to assess where they are. Is that a league that's going to play eight conference games or nine conference games? And obviously, BYU's got a bunch of people on the schedule, and they're going to have to decide who to keep. Who maybe to push back a little bit, and who to just drop all together, and so we'll have to iron all of that out. And so Mark just said, "Well, you know, we'll talk when everything. Yeah, you know, basically they'll talk when the dust settles and stuff gets right, out. right, right. Yeah. So, all right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. We're out of time, and Hands and Scotty are up next. We'll see you tomorrow.